0: Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison. On this evening's show, we'll wake up and smell the coffee and do some traveling. We're going to celebrate the birthday of Edwin Franco-Goldman, and you're going to hear everything there is to hear about J. Fred Helf, except what the J stands for. And after all that, if we have any time left, we'll go head over heels. Last week, I happened upon an article pointing out the differences between roads, streets, boulevards, and avenues. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend time explaining the differences between those vehicular pathways, but I am going to spend about 13 minutes playing a record about each one of them, beginning with Larry, Tom, and Larry.
1: The love I know is true, happy and contented in a dream house, on Blue Sky Avenue, we are always side by side, happy as can be. Yes, indeed, I'm satisfied, life's been mighty If you're feeling kind of blue, you're invited to a bit of heaven on blue sky.
0: The Missourians, August 1st, 1929, and Vine Street Drag. I've played Ted Weems' version a couple of times, but before The Missourians, we heard Blue Sky Avenue, performed by Orville Knapp and his orchestra. The vocalist was Virginia Varell, who also sang with Isham Jones and Woody Herman. Decca 128 was recorded in Los Angeles on August 21st, 1934. Blue Sky Avenue was written by Con Conrad and Herb Madgidson and is from the universal picture Gift of Gab, which starred a number of people you hear on the show, Ruth Edding, Ethel Waters, Gene Austin, and the Gus Arnheim Orchestra, and had cameos by Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. Blue Sky Avenue was preceded by a fun record, The Bully Boulevard Hop, written by Sam Koslow and Eddie Britt. That was the Cameo Dance Orchestra, a pseudonym for Bob Herring and Arthur Fields, provided the vocal but was uncredited on the label of that November 29, 1926 recording, issued as Cameo 1059 and Romeo 306. We begin that vehicular pathway set with The Road is Open Again, composed by Sammy Fain, with the lyrics by Irving Kale. At the time, the country was in the midst of the Great Depression, and just three months after President Roosevelt took office, the National Industrial Recovery Act was enacted, which created a number of New Deal programs, including the NRA. Not that one, which I despise, but the National Recovery Administration. That NRA was unveiled with great fanfare and an enormous parade by its director, Hugh S. Johnson. To support the National Recovery Act, Hollywood made a number of promotional films, including The Road is Open Again, starring Dick Powell as a songwriter who falls asleep while trying to write a song about the NRA. Presidents Washington, Lincoln, and Wilson appear to him in a dream, assure him that FDR will lead the USA back to prosperity, and inspire him to come up with the song The Road is Open Again, which he sings in the film. We heard it performed by Bill Scotty and his Hotel Montclair Orchestra from Bluebird 5181, recorded September 15, 1933. The label credits the vocal trio as Larry, Tom, and Larry. They are, in fact, Larry Murphy, Tom Lowe, and Larry Lloyd. Bandleader Bill Scotty made a couple dozen sides for Victor in 1933. He was known as society's favorite maestro, and in addition to the Hotel Montclair, appeared at the Hotel Pierre in New York, the Statler in Boston, and the Club Deauville in Miami, as well as being heard on NBC Radio. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. We're a bit late, but January 1st marked the birth in 1878 in Louisville, Kentucky, of composer and bandleader Edwin Franco-Goldman. His mother was a professional pianist, and as a child, Goldman studied cornet. He attended the National Conservatory of Music, where he studied music theory and played trumpet in the band's orchestra. His professional musical career started in 1893 as a member of the Metropolitan Opera House Orchestra, and in 1909 he went to work for Carl Fisher Music Publishing Company, where he stayed for the next ten years. In 1911 he founded the New York Military Band later known as the Goldman Band, which played summer concerts throughout New York and was heard regularly on radio. Goldman composed over 150 pieces, primarily marches, his best-known of which are On the Mall and Chimes of Liberty. He died February 21, 1956, and for his work in radio, as a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Here are three from Edwin Franco Goldman. (laughs) The Chimes of Liberty March, composed by Edwin Franco Goldman. He recorded it acoustically on August 28, 1922. But we heard Arthur Pryor's band with their October 6, 1926, Victor Orthophonic Electrical recording, issued under catalog number 20311. Before that, courtesy of listener Rich in Illinois, who requested this segment for Goldman. Edison Diamond Disc 50085 from August 11, 1913, whose four-minute-plus recording time allowed for two titles, Bell of New York, composed by Thomas Clark, and 2nd Regiment Connecticut National Guard, composed by David Wallace Reeves. That was the New York Military Band, conducted by Edwin Franco Goldman. We started with On the Campus, another Goldman tune performed by the Goldman Band on August 24, 1934, from Brunswick 7346. Goldman had recorded On the Campus for Victor almost ten years earlier with a male vocal quartet arranged by Mayhew Lake. And Goldman's On the Campus is not to be confused with John Philip Sousa's On the Campus march, recorded by Walter B. Rogers' band around September of 1921. Last week, I mentioned that Jack Glogau worked for a time for composer and music publisher J. Fred Helf, H-E-L-F. He was born in Maysville, Kentucky around 1871 to Henry Helf and the former Catherine Linkman, both born in Germany. In 1888, he made his way to Cincinnati, Ohio, where he worked as an office boy at Cincinnati's Commercial Tribune newspaper. His musical career began as an opera glass boy at the Walnut Street Theater, but he was quickly promoted to the position of head usher. Eddie Moran was also employed at the theater, and the two began writing songs together, soon moving to New York, where Helf partnered with Harry Yost in vaudeville for the next two years. In 1898, J. Fred married a woman named Rose, but she quickly filed for divorce. In a juicy bit of gossip published in the same newspaper he used to work for, Rose charged him with gross negligence, refusing to live with her as her husband, and adulterous cohabitation with one Grace White. What? Bessie Jacobson may not have known about all of that, or not cared, because on March 17, 1901, She married J. Fred in Manhattan, and they had one daughter, Myra, born May 15, 1902. Helf continued his composing efforts, writing dozens of songs, and in a 1907 article in Knickerbocker magazine, stated the simplicity of writing popular music is really ridiculous when the method of operation is really known. This not only refers to the music, but to the lyric as well. Any little verse with a jingle to it telling the story of some popular interest in vogue will appeal particularly to the singer of popular hits. Only one thing must be borne in mind by the writer of songs, and that is to construct his sentences so that they are easily pronounced when set to music. It will also be found that the more repetition there is in the lines, the surer its success The singer of popular songs does not care to devote a great deal of time in studying a new composition. Thus, if the lines of a song are repeated several times, the singer feels that he has been relieved from study, and this construction acts as a sort of labor-saving device. J. Fred Helf died on November 20, 1915, in New York following an operation, and is buried at Mount Judah Cemetery. Songs from the Health catalog include great titles such as If Money Talks, It Ain't On Speaking Terms With Me and Make A Noise Like A Hoop and Roll Away. In the early part of the 1900s, Health founded the J. Fred Health Music Publishing Company, which was enormously successful until 1912, when it was suddenly forced to declare bankruptcy. The company's printed songs, copyrights, entire music catalog, Goodwill and right to use the name J. Fred Health Company, were all liquidated in an open competitive bid at 3.30 on the afternoon of Thursday, December 5th. So what could cause such a rapid decline in the company's fortunes? Well, in 1910, Health published Play That Barbershop Chord, written by Lewis Muir and William Tracy. At least that's how Health published it. But Ballard MacDonald had also worked on the song and written a set of lyrics before leaving the project. MacDonald was furious that his name was left off the sheet music and successfully sued Health. He was awarded damages in the amount of $37,500, quite the sum in 1910, and which brought Health's publishing company down. And here is that song, as sung by Burt Williams.
2: A great cigarette while swell colored fella by the name of Bill Jefferson Lord played piano while he sang a song. He just played and sang the whole night long till a pinky head lady there that called sharp and heard him play in the barber shop she heaves a sigh, every time she could catch his eyes, she cries, cry, Miss Jeff, the dog, or play the barbershop chord. it's got the soothing harmony, it makes an awful, awful, awful hit with me, play that string, or please play it again. Cause, mister, when you start the minor part i see your fingers slipping and a-gripping round my heart Oh, mister, dog That's it, that's the barbershop call From that night she may rest it. The same tune she requested Every time she went into the place Oh, she sits down she her off Play that ever-loving Barber's car I'm gonna stick like a plaster to my new Lord Master, cause I'm certainly going Off my face Every time I hear that mellow There's no other Music I can see For me or Mrs. Jackson Shout out, oh, please do Lady barber Shop called just a favor. It's got that soothing harmony. It makes an awful, awful, awful. Hit with me, play that strain. Oh won't you please? Just to please me again. Cause, mister, when you start that minor part of all, I see your finger flipping and a round my heart. Oh, Mr. Nordo, oh, sir. I'm gonna leave the barbershop corner oh, down <laughs>
3: I'll keep her here.
4: 30 a pound 10 pounds of sugar 10 pounds of tea How many pounds in all says he The grocer then says 40 pounds are there Well he's 40 pounds of ice So that makes a square. How'd you like to be the ice man eh How'd you like to be the ice man They are like footiest men All on the beach Then next he stops to see my breeze Who makes a living selling cheese Well Breeze, old man How many pounds a day I'll just take a nickel's worth, Breeze would say. I give a small piece for a nickel, you see. As this place is awful, strong. take a tip from me. You'd better buy a dime's worth if you've got the price, for your chief can't live on a nickel's worth of ice. How'd you like to be the ice man? How'd you like to be the ice man? Makes lots of money. Oh, what a grab. Then next to a boarding house he'll go, leaves his ice in soup red row, from every girl that kisses his price. If he gets no kiss, they get no ice. Across the street is his next stopping place. On the steps is a maid with a dirty face. Who yells to a this familiar strain. Mother, mother, the ice man's come. I should like to be the ice man, eh? I should like to be the ice man. He's an independent gentleman. Got money in the bank.
0: From an 1899 Edison Cylinder, Will F. Denny, asking, How'd you like to be the Ice Man?" Eddie Moran wrote the words, and this is one of those songs that lends itself to many different sets of lyrics. In one edition of the sheet music, there's a verse which goes, Each day with his wagon loaded down, full of ice he starts for the town. At Johnson's Cafe a stop then he makes, fills up the box with enormous cakes. When ready to start and move on his way, he tells the boss it's hot today. The boss with a wink says, what'll it be? Well, I'll have a tin roof cocktail. That just suits me. How'd you like to be the ice man? How'd you like to be the ice man? Drinking tin roof cocktails? They're on the house. Now, I did an exhaustive search of turn-of-the-century vintage cocktails, but darned if I could find one called a tin roof. Before How'd You Like to Be the Iceman, it was the tearjerker I'm Tying the Leaves So They Won't Fall Down, sung by Byron G. Harlan on Victor 16122, recorded September 25, 1908. I spent more time than I probably should have trying unsuccessfully to find out what the J in J. Fred Health stood for, and I couldn't find the real full name of the lyricist on I'm Tying the Leaves, E.S.S. S. Huntington. We started the set with Burt Williams and Play That Barbershop Chord. Columbia A-929 was waxed in 1910, sometime before December. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Another song that Jack Glogau wrote is Wake Up America. You're no doubt familiar with the tagline in the commercials, The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Well, I think the best part of Waking Up is a set of rapidly rotating records about waking up. Here's Ford Britton and his Blue Comets. <laughs>
3: the morning after when your songs and laughter have gone maybe you'll wake up and you will make up your mind to belong to me in the cold gray dawn when the air is chilly you will see how silly you've been stop hesitating and for me i'm waiting and i always will be the night lights the bright lights the white lights help keep up pretenses. But stretching and yawning and dawning Will bring you to your senses In the cold gray dawn When your step's unsteady And your head is ready to split Maybe you'll wake up And then you will make up Your mind to belong to me For there's no love like your love I wake up smiling And tonight there'll be more love No clouds of
5: rain
3: and spoil my day, the whole world seems new, I wake up smiling, after dreaming of you, was a year of june nights make my dreams come true my darling i woke up to
0: It was also recorded by Glenn Gray, Hal Kemp, Florence Richardson, and Joe Reichman, but we heard Richard Himber and his Ritz-Carlton Hotel Orchestra with Joey Nash crooning I Woke Up Too Soon. Victor 24824 was recorded December 5, 1934. I Woke Up Too Soon was written by Dave Franklin, who also brought us You Don't Know How Much You Can Suffer Until You Fall In Love. Before Richard Himber, it was Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians with Brother Carmen vocalizing on I Wake Up Smiling, written by Edgar Leslie and Fred Allert. Brunswick 6509 was recorded February 16, 1933. We started that wake-up set with Maybe You'll Wake Up, written by Burt Van Cleave, who wrote over a dozen songs in 1930, most recorded by a group purporting to be Ford Britain and his Blue Comets which sounds more like the name of a 1940s doo-wop group. In fact, there was no such person as Ford Britton. We don't know who the musicians are, but the vocalist, credited as Ford Britton, is actually Arthur Fields. Velvet Tone 2284 was recorded November 26, 1930. Another one of the songs that Jack Glogau wrote was Once Upon a Time, I Fell Head and Heels in Love with You. I don't have a recording of it, if indeed it was ever recorded, but I do have a couple other vintage songs about being head over heels. ¶¶
3: I've asked the breeze, I've asked the bees, and I've asked the stars above. I wonder how it feels to be head over heels in love. In tender words, I've asked the birds, from the robin to the dove. I wonder how it feels to be head over heels in love. Where's the thrill in the June night? That's what's puzzling me. When they talk of the moonlight I'm as dumb as can be The daisies know, but they won't tell What they're always dreaming of I wonder how it feels to be head over heels in love I wanted to sing and I wanted to dance as most men do. I fell head over heels in love and I thought, oh, here is a love of a different sort. And I vow the world that we live in was never worth living till I met you.
0: We started that Head Over Heels set with Paul Specht and his orchestra with an unidentified vocal trio on I Wonder How It Feels to be Head Over Heels in Love, written by Al Lewis and Al Sherman. That was recorded by Columbia on July 10, 1930, and issued under catalog number 2264. It's hard to believe, but I've never played I Fell Head Over Heels in Love on the show. Until tonight. That was Fred Rich and his Hotel Astor Orchestra with Scrappy Lambert, credited on the label of Columbia 1235, recorded December 10th, 1927, as Harold Lambert. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me, listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I... Thank you for your very kind attention.